Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus. I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment, your journey into personal growth. The splendor of any decision is after you've made it, all that remains to be seen are its consequences. My name is Ken Primus, I am your host. Here at Threads of Enlightenment, we talk about the principles of self-development and personal growth. By having conversation with people, who have walked through their journey of personal growth. We believe that everyone at some point in their life will have to deal with one or more of these principles to have the privilege of focusing on their self-development as humans. These principles, when applied, can help you to become the best self possible. Welcome to Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, we have our guests. Uh, Once they present, we allow them to inform us as to what they have created in their life at this time, because as I uh, always say, creators will always change. I'm sure in a few months, if we talk to her, she'll be on something different because creators are always moving. We keep moving. We keep moving. So I want to welcome you, Corby, to Threads of Enlightenment. Introduce yourself and tell us what you have done. Okay. Thanks for having me. Having me, Ken. Hi out there. My name is Corby Mitline. I am a certified tarot master, past life specialist, intuitive counselor, author, and teacher. My job is to help people navigate a very crazy world. If I've done it and I'm not (laughs) special, you can do it. Mm -hmm. So my idea is here are your opportunities and how to grab them. Here's the tough stuff. Here's how to get through it or around it. Here's your toolbox. Go rock and roll. Mm -hmm. I've been working at this full time since... 2002, got the spark, 9-11. And now I work six days a week, 14 hours a day. I read about a thousand people a year and I get to get up every morning. I don't have to get up. every. That is awesome. I like that. Um, I like how you um, presented that to us. So um, as pre- second elevator speech, <laughs> <Adam real good. laughs> I like it. They used to train us to do that um, in the corporate world when I was a part of mm-hmm. that uh, beast, oh, yeah. you know, to have my 30 second, uh, 
uh, elevator speech. Um, so here you are, as I believe that once we are um, land on this planet, we are creators, but we are programmed. Every one of us are programmed. And we live off of the program that was given to us from a child all the way to until when I tell, I say, the, the awakening has begun. So I want to go back to your childhood. Probably I want you to tell me a little about your family. How was that upbringing? Uh, things like that. All right. Um, everyone has medical. My father was a superb internist cardiologist. My mother was an RN. My brother is a pediatric pulmonologist who is world famous in his work in cystic fibrosis and asthma. Me, I was the actor, the writer, was the rebel. They would be discussing medical things and I could stand up on the table and tap dance and recite Shakespeare. They didn't see me. Um, as a result, I always looked for my answers in ways that they did not understand. I got into an Ivy League university, left after two and a half years, um, married and divorced twice. Uh, my family was, you know, what in the 70s was considered upper middle class. Um, I had to deal with poverty. Um, everything I did, my family despaired about figuring, well, you know, we love her, but she's a failure. Mm. And I believed that for a long time mm. until I began to do some of my own inner work. I looked at what I called, well, what is called pre-birth planning through mm -hmm. Robert Schwartz and his breakthrough series. And it started really clicking through in 1973 when I bought my first deck of tarot cards because we were all hippies then, states, everyone had deck. <laughs> I read for friends for 20 years. Then all of a sudden in 1994, I could do hands-on healing and speak to the departed without any training. Mm -hmm. That's when I hung out my shingle part-time. Mm -hmm. But on 9-11, as we watched the towers burn, mm -hmm. I turned to my husband and I said, I need to do this full-time. People need to know there are other answers out there. He said, I believe in you, go do it. Mm -hmm. So it was one more year in the corporate world. At that point, I was an executive recruiter for engineering and manufacturing, mm -hmm. did this evenings and weekends. And as soon as I was sure I could make a living at it, mm -hmm. I jumped the corporate ship and I have never looked back. But it has always, always, always been the search for who I am mm -hmm. as opposed to who everyone else thought I should be and was a failure because I wasn't. Wow. Um, my mother was an alcoholic cross-addicted with barbiturates who had a very dear self. So I look at myself as a teenager and I wasn't read thin, but I was normal. Mm -hmm. Yet she always kept telling me how fat and ugly I was. Wow. She forced me to go to Weight Watchers at age 11. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I lived my life for decades thinking that I was fat, I was ugly, no one would uh, want to marry me, and any man who ever asked me anything, I had no right to say to. Wow. It took me decades to get over that. And then, as a result of all of these toxic things that I was following, the body heard it, mm -hmm. and I had to deal with cancer through time. Wow. But here I am at 66, completely clear, mm -hmm. loving my life in a good marriage that I've had for 20 years. Um, I took the scenic route to get there, but the trip was worth it. <laughs> I love that. Um, I always say, uh, um, Corby, that people, um, diseases, um, some of them are in the genes, as they say, mm -hmm. uh, that you and I can uh, still overcome, but a lot of them start in the mind. And I tell them, it, uh, we are, uh, we plug in our real-to-real -real thoughts, and as mm -hmm. we began to um, play it over and over and over again, all that energy, because that's what it turns into, has to dissipate somehow, and it'll mm -hmm. travel through the body and and if you are not alert to it, it will damage your body. So how old were you? Because those, you had mentioned a couple of really uh, um, heavy stuff to deal mm -hmm. with in order to, to navigate to who you are today um, mm -hmm. as to some of the... Um, uh, 
things that your mom said and did to you. And for a young woman, that is a crippling um, scenario. How did you manage, navigate through that scenario? Because, uh, Corby, a lot of girls, a lot of young women are caught right here. So talk to them as to how that young girl began to come and navigate out of that belief system that was deposited in you by your mom. Well, the way we understand pre-birth planning is my higher self, my soul decided this time it really wanted to be appreciative of a female body and remind this personality that it had choices. Mm -hmm. So I was born with the genetic factor that by the time I was 11 or 12, I had a dolly part. I literally mm. put a brunette wig on her. Um, so when I was 16, through a complete misconception, my mother was assuming that I was sleeping around with everybody. Mm. And she basically told me, you're never going to be anything but, but a prostitute. It's all you're worth. Now, wow. I had a tipping point. I could have said, oh yeah, I'll show you. Been a virgin till I was married. Mm -hmm. But the part of me thought, she must know something about me that I don't, mm. which set me on the 30-year roller coaster, no breaks. Yeah. Now, I realize that my mother was A, jealous, B, fearful, and mm -hmm. C, angry at me. Just because someone is your mother doesn't mean they're going to love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. They're supposed to, but they don't always. The most important thing that you should learn right away is always to ask yourself three questions when you are reacting to something. Mm -hmm. What am I X about in this case? What am I upset about? Second would be, why am I upset about that? And the question we never ask ourselves, what do I think would happen if I stopped being upset about that? Mm -hmm. If I had stepped back and asked myself those questions, I would have probably taken a third route. I wouldn't have to show her by doing any actions and I wouldn't have to accept what she said. Mm -hmm. I would learn that I was me and worth it. Mm -hmm. For all those, especially today, yeah. who are questioning who they are, gender fluid, um, not aligned the way the family thinks they should be, Remember, everybody is merely an actor in this particular part of the play. Mm -hmm. Your soul can't get it wrong. Your soul is not damned. Your soul is not black. Your soul is the actor that has assigned you a role to play. Mm -hmm. And you can choose to play that role any way that helps you learn and grow and love yourself. The power of choice. Power of yes. choice. Uh, Absolutely. It is one of the most powerful thing in the journey of self-awareness is the ability to make your own decisions. Uh, we surrender that easily. Um, and it is, it's painful when we surrender it because once you surrender it, whoever you surrender it to totally have control of you and they can make you do anything, anytime, anyhow. And you have surrendered your power, your ability to make your decision and to, um, as you had said, ask the questions. The purpose right. of asking those questions is to get you insight into who you are and give you back that power power of choice that Corby is talking about. And there's nothing like it. It's, it's, there's a freedom within that ownership that yes. is a beautiful um, expression as you begin to move from one day to another day to another day. And so yes. here you are, this woman, you're beginning to ask your questions. You're looking at uh, your internalness that you have, and you have decided that, okay, I am going to run this thing. I'm going to uh, uh, make a go for it, as they say. <laughs> how did you 
Um, what did that look like? Some of the um, some of the adventures that you had uh, began to express and enter into your life as you began to move forward from there. Well, I've had a very checkered career. I have been an <laughs> actress, an author, mm-hmm. an inspirational speaker. I have written for a very world famous graphic novel series called ElfQuest for many years. I have been a video producer, a legal assistant, and again an executive producer. I was always trying to find out who I was and what I was good at. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until I. I found what I call my sentence of passion, Mm -hmm. that I was able to redirect my life. And instead of just things happening haphazardly, I knew what I wanted and I had focus. Your sentence of passion is not who you are or what you do or even who do it. It's your vapor trail. Mm -hmm. It's what you leave behind in every encounter. So when you go skidding into heaven on bald tires and fumes in the tank and God hands you a cup of coffee and says, so tell me, you get to say, look what I did. Isn't it neat? (laughs) And mine was cross the bridge from fear to fearlessness and fly. Mm -hmm. When I can take somebody from point A to point B, when I thought they couldn't make it, Mm -hmm. tap them on their shoulders, say, here are your wings. You don't need a flight plan or permission. Now, yet I'm living my bliss. And any time that I turned my life toward that, things fell into place. And that's Mm -hmm. what I do in my work now and have for 20 years. So life has gotten better over these 20 years because I've always looked at the focus where my heart is. Yeah. See, I I, this is my um, thesis on that, Corby. I believe that you and I, uh, certain individuals go through certain things Mm -hmm. because they were the best candidate for it. And the reason why I say that is that once they are out of it, they now become servants. They recognize uh, their passion. They recognize how they came out as if they were going into a classroom, a a school, a studying a degree or a process by which they graduate. And once they graduate, uh, they now turn around and begin to serve. And it's like the most um, you talk about the expression that you feel when you see someone get it, as they Mm -hmm. say, it is intoxicating to a level that is you cannot explain. You have to actually explain experience that. So, but before we get to all of that good stuff, Corby, we got to go back a little more. I'm walking with you here. Okay. So here you are, you had mentioned um, that you're in corporate America, you noticed this gift that you had, and you began to um, develop it. I always tell people to find what that passion is and yes. be passionate about it. I would yes. tell my kids when they were younger, young boys, I said, find your passion and be passionate about it. Put in the work. A lot of people, Mm -hmm. Corby, are afraid to put in the work. Um, You got to study. You got to research. You got to dig deep in yourself. And once you find it, just be passionate about it. And trust me, it'll guide you. So once you found this passion and you began, you said you you began to um, uh, talk to your friends, you began to do things, then 9-11 comes, this dark time in the United States of America, in the world. Mm -hmm. What did you do? How did it affect you? And how did you move from there? Well, my father, who was my best friend, had died just a week before. He was 80, uh, congestive heart failure. Very odd for, you know, when you're a cardiologist, you know what's happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was already numb. And I that day I started my last corporate job mm-hmm. working for a lawyer. Yeah. So I actually watched the towers burn as it happened at my first day at my new job. We were all gathered around a little TV set. When I went home and Carl and I were watching it again and again.
man. Um, I have always known somehow that this soul comes in at ending times, mm -hmm. incarnation after incarnation. Often I die in it. This time I was meant to help people walk through the dark. Mm -hmm. um, it's why I knew just instantly at age 13, I would never want children because I was convinced they would not be able to live out a normal lifespan. Mm -hmm. I've never regretted not having kids and at 66, it's done. Yeah. Um, it's just things get felt outside of you and get in. Mm -hmm. You don't always chew on it in, in your own mind. Does that make sense to you, Ken? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. Absolutely. So I always knew I was different, as so many of us do. Mm -hmm. um, I always knew that there was something that I had to leave in the world. In the beginning, I thought it was, you know, acting, fame, but not really. Not yeah. really. Uh, especially, frankly, the way people are treated when they're famous now. If somebody doesn't like you, they'll come at you with a death. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. one of the reasons why all I've been on the verge of famous many times. Mm -hmm. And something's always taken it down. I used to think, what's wrong with me? I no longer do. Yeah. I'm exactly where I need to do the work I need to do and be where I need to be. I live in a tiny little bungalow in upstate, very rural New York. Mm -hmm. And for someone who grew up in you know, a very wealthy enclave in New Jersey in the 60s <laughs> and 70s, I would never have pictured myself with this. But Spirit said, this is where you are. It's why I got breast cancer three times. Mm. Because the third time, Spirit basically said, look, we need you down there to do a lot of teaching. Yeah. So we're going to remove the problem, which mm -hmm. is why it was a second primary for me. It wasn't even, you know, you turn the danger clock back to zero. Yeah. But the doctor said, sorry, that's it, double mastectomy, and you're going from this Dolly Parton figure to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks. Deal with it. Wow. And yeah, I look very normal now. You pass me on the street and I wouldn't register on you, but that's fine. That leaves me free to do the work I need to do. And I no longer think of the body as anything but the vehicle that needs to keep me healthy and going mm -hmm. till God decides my ticket needs to be punched. And I'm going. Yeah. That's it. So how did the news of the first time when you got the news of, of the can uh, this disease that came into your body, um, talk to us a little about um, that news, how you handle it mentally, how did you um, navigate through there, and then, one, then two, then three. How did you, because that is a major life incident that in many cases uh, people have given up people have thrown in the tower the towel they surrendered to what the physician said um, talk to us about the journey right there because that is a um, that is a needed conversation for okay. uh, women to get a grip of that because there are lots of women today that I know and men that are in this space with uh, cancer and the news of cancer and how they um, deal with it. How did you deal with one, two, and three? Well, the first time I was in my mid-30s, I was acting in New York City, uh, working 60 hours a week for a law firm to bring the money in and taking courses at the Actors Institute. So very mm -hmm. full life. Um, when they told me, it was ductal carcinoma in situ, both sides. And how? what's that in layman's terms? It was there, but it hadn't bought its cruise tickets or its bathing suit yet. It's just mm -hmm. hanging out. <laughs> um, I knew instantly I was not going to die from this. Mm -hmm. So we did did four lumpectomies and radiation. Uh, radiation in the late 80s um, was tough. I mean, I had second degree burns and mm. could barely wear clothes, oh. but still went to work with a very loose tunic, went to my rehearsals for an off-Broadway play. I mean, I just did it. Um, in 2000, I had Paget's disease, which is skin cancer. It came from the radiation. So there was more surgery and excisions and they were scarred. They were, you know, misshapen, yeah, but they were yeah. still there. When they told me I had no choice, um, Mass 
Massachusetts General Hospital is technically brilliant surgeons, but most of them have hearts like desiccated turnips. <laughs> um, I went home and cried for 24 hours, but then I said, look, I have to find three reasons to be okay with this. Mm-hmm. And I did. I didn't care how stupid they were. Number one, you don't have them. You can't get cancer there. Yeah. Number two, I'm not going to have to go through the discomfort and embarrassment of a mammogram every year and every woman knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Three, implants. Great. I'll have a perky figure till I'm 93. <laughs> um, so as a result of that, I had a six-hour surgery, mm-hmm. you know, um, ma- double mast and the reconstruction. Mm-hmm. Walked out of the hospital in three days, shopped for a bathing suit and a fly. Wow. When, it's called living the examined life. Yeah. When you have something you cannot avoid, you'll say, okay, what do I need to learn from this? In my case, since I'm a teacher, how can I teach with it? And then mm-hmm. next. And I also do not identify myself with a cancer. Mm-hmm. So many people, that's the first thing you learn about them. Yeah, yeah. And they're always involved in cancer marathons and raising it. No, <coughs> that's like saying I was the Betty Crocker homemaker for New Jersey in 1973 and always identifying myself like that. No, that happened when I was here in high school. Who am I now? <laughs> yeah. And so that's one of the things. You had cancer. The cancer is not you. Mm-hmm. And the way I got through it, I didn't fight cancer because what you fight fights back. Yeah. And I am not a survivor because that word makes you think you're hanging on by teeth and toenails. And I do a lot better than mm-hmm. I was a three-time cancer dancer. I found out how graceful I could be under pressure. Mm-hmm. I avoided getting my toes stepped on by unfeeling physicians. And I got off the dance floor in one piece. Mm-hmm. When you think of it like that, you are empowered. Yeah. Yeah. I love your, um, your analogies, but I love this thread that you're having within this conversation, uh, empowerment. Um, the ability to own it, the ability to make the decisions within the hard spaces. Um, asking the questions, as you mentioned, you have your uh, set of questions that you ask yourself. And based on the answers, you then proceed out of your situation. Uh, that is powerful stuff to um, to practice. And I hope the listeners, as you are listening uh, to this story, because we have a black sheep here that is showing us the way God because I was one of those. Um, <laughs> so she's showing us laying down the gauntlet, as they say, and just giving us direction how to move from space to space. Uh, you've walked through the third one and um, you are at this time, are you still practicing your craft? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I love what I do. Mm-hmm. And frankly, I, I joke say I'll probably be doing it until I'm two weeks dead. And <laughs> since I'm a medium, yeah, I'll probably could be working afterwards. <laughs> That's funny. I love that. So um, you're still practicing your craft within the madness of the outsideness of the world. When I say yes. it that way, because all the stuff that is uh, swirling around you, if you allow it to be, it could be madness. But because of how you have been dictating your life, asking the questions and then moving forward based on the answers that you give yourself, it's just powerful stuff. So you are out. You at this point, uh, when did you uh, start writing books? Did you write the book around that time or uh, before that or after? Um, I wrote my first book, Clean Out Your Life Closet. In um, 2015, I said to my clients, you know, Facebook people, what do you really want to learn? What do you mm-hmm. want to talk about next year? And the four things they came up with were clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and making friends with stress. So I started writing things on those subjects and I wrote four chapters thinking we were going to work with one a week. And mm-hmm. I realized, I've got a book here. <laughs> um, I 
found a fabulous editor, Bernie Jung, who helped me put it together. And I did not wait to see if a publisher wanted it. I wanted mm-hmm. my words out there. Yeah. And so that was that was the first one. And it's dedicated to my father because my father, like me, um, words were a drug of choice. Yeah. He was a writer. He was a poet as well as a doctor. And if I'm any kind of a writer, it's because he taught me the joy of words. Mm-hmm. That's powerful. I love words are powerful, aren't they? Especially when they uh, when they are released uh, purposefully, yes. uh, when yes. they are uh, released with purpose, uh, it carries a tremendous amount of power. I call it um, that uh, uh, material that creates. And so yes. once we release that uh, material, it, you'll be amazed how people um, and circumstances will begin to um, uh, line up for what you had said, what you release to make it come to pass. It's amazing to that um, how that happens, and I tell people to to um, always be mindful of your spoken words. Let your yes be yes, and your no's be no's, because there's powerful stuff. So you wrote your first book by. Do you know how often I have to? I don't know if you can read it. It's backwards to me. It says no is a fabulous idea. <laughs> I have to give this postcard and say put it on the refrigerator to so many of my clients. Do not realize they have a right to say no. They have a right to boundaries. Yes, I, I absolutely believe that because. It, that's a hard thing for people to, to do because everyone uh, wants to please everyone mm-hmm. and they want not to hurt feelings and um, they would hurt themselves in the process of not hurting feelings. And mm-hmm. I remember, I, I remember, Corby, I remember when I got that revelation, uh, when I was going through my process and I remember grabbing my boys as I learned um, a particular truth in my journey, I would grab my kids and I'd sit them down and I'm like, just what I, I just learned this. Do not mm-hmm. be a martyr. <laughs> and I remember saying that to the to the boys. Do not be a martyr because I realized that I have been a martyr and it has caused me so much pain. I remember this speech. And my four little boys were sitting down in my uh, in my room listening to me. My youngest, the eldest at the time was uh, 12, and they were a year apart. So I have my boys sitting there, and I'm telling them, don't be a martyr. <laughs> when you were talking about that, it reminded me of that, uh, that incident with boys. But um, it's really, guys, it's, it's, it's a truth out there. Don't be a martyr to the point where you are hurting yourself and and uh, causing yourself much pain. It, it is not worth it because you need to learn how to love yourself a, little, a, lot, a lot more than that and respect the, the power of your nose, as Corby puts it. Respect it, guys. It is, it's okay. Learn to respect your nose. Um, mm-hmm. And so here you are. Your, your first book just happened. <laughs> as, yes, pretty much just happened. But I had so, promised my father that I would get a book out, and so I kept that promise. And there you go. Congratulations on that. I remember mine when I was writing mine, I kept saying, I have to finish because I noticed within our family, we wouldn't finish thing. And mm-hmm. I would, what drove me was the fact to finish. And yes. uh, so once you find something to motivate you, just grab onto it and, and walk with it and let it, let it move you from one space to space. So here you are now, you're, you have your clients, you wrote your first book and um, things are moving forward. So how did you begin to um, formulate your second book? 
book. And how many books have you written then? How did you I've begin? Three. Three. How the did second, the second one the come? The second book, there? again, all three are nonfiction. Uh-huh. Um, the second one, there are many, many books out there for psychic development. And that's fine because everybody can do what I do. We're all wired the way. But there were no books that would teach people how to work with an intuitive counselor and be safe. Mm-hmm. And the way I explain it is a lot of people go to a museum and love the art, but they don't need to learn how to paint with acrylics or oils. Mm-hmm. So at a very large event, I saw one of the fakes scam a woman for $400 in her booth. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing we could do about that. But the woman did not know. No, you don't have a family curse. You don't have to burn 400 specially blessed candles at the Roman Capture. Yeah. So I wrote that book in order to keep people safe. And I don't care if you never come to me. Mm-hmm. If that book enables you to find a good intuitive counselor and have a good session and feel like it empowered you, it didn't grab you by the throat, then I did my work right. And the third book, uh, You've Got the Magic Who Needs a Genie. Mm-hmm. I was on the road for 45 weekends a year, 18 years. My nickname was oh. the Travel Channel. <laughs> and uh, when my back went in 2019 and I was told by the doctors, you are off the road, mm-hmm. I moved my entire business online. Perfect timing, what happened in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I wrote down every single thing that I had learned because I had been able to uh, straddle the twin mountains of business acumen yeah. and metaphysical Met- business. Mm-hmm. So here, go. There are going to be lots of other people on the road. Take the knowledge that I've gained. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. I, I uh, The awareness to live in as you begin your journey, it's really funny because um, even when I was going, I was a mess uh, back mm-hmm. in my day, even before I started my journey, I remember taking mental notes of things. And I I would just, I meditated a lot. And so I would, um, I that's when I had started dabbling into meditation. I actually went into meditation when, when the dam busted. And as we talked earlier, where everything crashed and burned and I had to uh, begin to uh, uh, find out a little more about who Ken was. But um, mm-hmm. I remember, as you were stated, we take notes of things because it's important because the notes that I took became a book, just like you. The notes that you took became a book. And so I encourage anyone that is going through their journey, take notes, take mental notes. Um, this is not the first time that I've heard this conversation where people take notes and a book came out of it. So take notes. I encourage you to take notes and uh, you will be using those notes because it's amazing how much you have to give once you have come out of your um, the dark spaces that you, you and I have to visit in order to Absolutely. become a better human spirit. So Absolutely. take notes, you know. So here you are. I love I love this conversation, by the way, because I love how you um, have questioned yourself all the way through your life when you're facing uh, your dark times. Because I tell people, Kobe, my, my thing is that that's when a creator shines, is in the dark places, because uh, you don't need to create when you're all happy or whatever. But that, that dark places will pull out of you and have you give you an opportunity to see who you truly are. And that's how I tell them. It will give you an opportunity for you to see who you are and you should shine because once you, as we said earlier, speak those words of power, it will cause people to come into your sphere to make your dream come to pass. So you're taking all of these principles, you're applying it, you're uh, talking
talking with people, helping them to see who they are and right. giving them the tools and necessary, as you said earlier, in the toolbox to say, go ahead and champion yourself, be a champion for yourself. So mm -hmm. talk to me about um, some of the things that you, uh, some of those experience when the people began to champion themselves, because it's, it's really is a toxicating um, experience. Uh, talk to me about some of those intoxicating experience that you've had over the years. When you say intoxicating, um, what do you mean? I'm I mean, a it, there's a there's a joy that is um, that is comes from deep within you as a teacher, as a servant, as you are serving uh, that person. And when you see them, if if you may, uh, a light bulb goes on and they got it. Um, there's this intox, you know, it's just this joy that comes out of you as a it's servant. Just, How is it? It's just there. But I'll be honest with you, to do the work I have to do, mm -hmm. I can't think about that. My ego has to be on the shelf and I have to be completely focused on mm -hmm. them. Yeah. No, I I'm saying after, whatever, after, after the, yes, after they have It's gone just a deep it. satisfaction yeah. that I'm doing what I was meant to do. Yeah. That I am, you know, John Holland, who is a very well-known medium and I've taken classes from him. He says, remember, you're just the two victims through. It isn't you. Mm -hmm. And so it is just this deep satisfaction of knowing I'm doing what I was meant to do. I'm on the right track. I didn't get in my own way yeah. and I didn't get in their way. Yeah. So, so you use exhilaration but, and that's that's a here. For mm -hmm. me, it's it's deeply in here. It's deep that's, inside. That's what right. I'm, uh, that's why I was a little. Yeah, yeah, there's the the only word that I can grab into is a joy, that a deepness of a joy that yes. is it's it's more powerful than happiness. There is a yes. joy that comes there from seeing it. Rightness to yes. it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it builds you, as you're saying, it builds your faith as to what you are doing, your purpose. It encourages you. It, it keeps you motivated uh, that this yes. is the path that I was placed on this planet yes. to to walk. And I am walking it and life is good. <laughs> so. <laughs> Amen, my friend. <laughs> I love it. Um, Corby, I want to thank you. This has been one of the, uh, just a pleasurable conversation that I've had uh, stopping by here at Threads of uh, Enlightenment and walking us through uh, the theme that I got from this conversation, guys, and I hope that you listen. And it is my hope that uh, all of those that are listening to us that feel drawn to her, call her. I'm going to provide all of her information. I want you guys to get in touch with her, inundate her with all kinds of information, get her books, um, get into her, her sessions um, so that you can become uh, the best you possible on this planet so that you can tap into your greatness and create the freedom that you want for your life, that joy that we've been talking about for over 30, uh, 35, 40 minutes now. So I want you guys to touch base with her. Please get in touch with her. But uh, I want to thank you, Corey, for coming and just pouring such insight into us, helping us, even myself, I've grown from this, to become a better human space. Uh, thank you so much for coming by. It was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me, Ken. Oh, you're welcome. Everyone who's listening to this broadcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn 
how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you. But always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. You can do this by hitting the heart button. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, we hope to continually help you to learn how to embrace moments of darkness because it is in the darkness that we learn how to develop and use our abilities to truly see those parts of ourselves often invisible to us in the light. It becomes your responsibility to navigate through all of your trials to find out who you truly are and begin your journey to loving yourself, which is possibly one of the most difficult things you will ever do in your life. To love yourself and to find the real you, but always remember to enjoy the journey. Thank you for coming by. Please subscribe. And if you can support us financially, we deeply appreciate it. Until next time, invite your family, friends, neighbors, anyone that you can. You can hear us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, CastBox, Overcast, and many more.